glad you're with me again today. We're back studying the book of Daniel, and I want to talk to you from Daniel chapter 9, verses 20 through 27. This is a particularly interesting passage. Daniel had prayed in fervency as he fasted for God to hear and listen and take action and not delay, and that the city of Jerusalem and the people which were called by his name would be allowed to return back to Jerusalem and reestablish the city build the wall back, build the temple back. Jeremiah the prophet had predicted that after 70 years of captivity, they would be allowed to go back and restore the city, and that 70 years was up. And so now Daniel, knowing that prophecy, is basing his prayer on Jeremiah's prophecy. The angel Gabriel came even while he was praying and confessing his sin and told him that his prayer had been answered and the command had been issued. Then God proceeded to share with him the most amazing prophecy in all of Scripture. John MacArthur has said that this prophecy is the single greatest defense of the truth of Scripture and the authority of Scripture found in the Word of God. Isaac Newton said many years ago, we could state the truth of Christianity on this prophecy alone, made five centuries before Christ. So we're not dealing with some minor declaration here. We're dealing with a profound and significant prophetic section of scripture, just a few verses, but most believe the most in prophecy, one of the most important prophecies in the Bible. It has to do with the people of God, the Jews. The scripture says 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city. So even though Jerusalem was in ruin, it was still a city set apart in the heart of God. And Daniel had prayed about that city, though he was living far away as a captive in Babylon. So God said to Daniel, now I'm going to give you the answer, but far more than you ask. Daniel had been reading in Jeremiah of the 70 years in captivity and how that would soon be over. It's as though God said, yes, Daniel, you've discovered rightly that the seven years of captivity recorded by Jeremiah is coming to an end. But now I want to show you another 70, a time period in which I shall accomplish all my plans for my people and my holy city. The number seven has always represented completion or perfection so that our prophecy is dealing with the period of time in which God will bring to perfection a work of greatest power, and it has to do with Israel and the land of Palestine. The very first thing that God says in this prophecy is, 70 weeks have been decreed for your people and your holy city. The word decreed or determined literally means in Hebrew to cut off something. What God is saying, I have literally cut off or have really set apart a segment of history for my people. And it is a period of 70 70s is literally what he's saying. Now, we need to understand this matter of the 70 weeks if we're going to understand this passage of Scripture. It's the key to the whole thing. Now, the first thing that we need to recognize is that the word weeks is not actually in the Hebrew text of the Old Testament. But the word that is used is heptads. Now, the 70 is there, but the weeks is not there. A heptad was a unit of measurement. It was used to designate a collection of seven things, just as we would use the word dozen to designate a collection of 12 things. However, we never have the word dozen stand alone. If you go to the grocery store and ask the clerk for a dozen, he would reply, a dozen what? Do you want a dozen eggs, a dozen donuts, or what do you want? And what God says to Daniel is there will be 70 heptads or 70 units of seven that have been decreed, that have been cut off, that have been set apart 
as a special segment. Now, the 77s could be days, they could be years, they could be months. But I think it's obvious from the context of Scripture they are 70 years. Now, the Jews often used the term weeks of years when they were referring to time. And so that is why it came to be called the 70 weeks, but not seven-day weeks, but 70 weeks of seven years each. Just remember that the word here means a unit of measurement. Seventy-sevens is literally the way you'd have to translate it. So literally we're dealing with a period of time, seven times seven, which would be 490. We're dealing with a time period of 490 years. God said, I've set apart, I've determined, I've decreed, I've cut off a period of 490 years in which I'm going to reveal to you. It's going to take place. And it will relate to my people and my city. Now notice in verse 24, he tells us generally what is going to take place, the purpose of this prophecy. He gives us six purposes which he says this prophecy speaks about. In this 490-year period, six things are going to happen. First, he says, I will finish the transgression. The Hebrew word finish means to bring to an end, to a completion. I'm going to finish the transgression. I think that probably means two things. It means sin, which is free to express itself today, will no longer be able to do that. There's coming a day when sin will be crushed and evil and apostasy will be over. I think specifically, too, he may be saying the transgression, because it has a definite article speaking of the transgression of the Jews in unbelief for multitudes of them, the Bible teaches in the last days, will come to Christ and trust in him and during the great tribulation. Secondly, he says, during this time, I will make an end of sin. I will seal up sin. I will bring sin to final judgment. There won't be any more sin. I'm going to deal with it in totality. Sin and sins, and they're going to be dealt with. Then he says, thirdly, to make atonement for iniquity. And, and there's how he's going to finish the transgression. And that's the way he's going to make the end of sin. He's going to, it's going to be through the atonement that's made for the sins. And he's talking about the cross. The word atonement is a word that means to cover, to expiate sin. The only way sin can be dealt with is if God deals with it. We can't deal with it. We are weak and we are sinners. There is therefore now no judgment, no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, we read in Romans. Those who have been to the cross, those who have confessed their sins, those who have trusted Jesus to take their sins away are forgiven. And the ultimate result of the cross, when Jesus comes again, will be that the atonement he made for our sin not only gives us forgiveness, but it removes and finishes sin and transgression in our lives. Isn't it exciting that hundreds of years ago, before Jesus even came, that God revealed to Daniel that he was going to make an atonement for sin, that he was going to provide a remedy, and that remedy was going to be his son. You see, every one of us today is either under the wrath of God or under the blood of Christ. The blood of Christ is the only covering for sin. If you've trusted Christ, then God no longer looks at you as a sinner. He looks at you as a child of God who has has your sin, who has had your sins paid for at the cross. Fourthly, he also says he will bring in an everlasting righteousness. Through Jesus Christ, there's coming an everlasting eternal righteousness. It's literally the righteousness of eternity. 
the righteousness of the ages. Now, God's standard of righteousness is not popular today, but there's coming a day when his righteousness will rule the earth after the second coming of Jesus Christ. We're going to pick that up tomorrow. Hope you'll be with me as we study about this great prophecy and what the prophet said.